We'll come to that in a tick. Uh, I just want to get ahead of any rumors that Pastor Tim might spread about myself and uh, the Centro interns. Um, so I'm going to explain it. So uh, Pastor Tim went, uh, went away on holidays last week. So, uh, you know, me as a caring youth pastor, which is what I am, like I care. Um, there's nothing, nothing worse than coming back to an unfresh office. So I didn't want Pastor Tim to come back to an unfresh office, so uh, I got all of our Centro interns um, to help me freshen up Tim's office. And the best way to keep something fresh is glad wrap. Um, so I managed to glad wrap everything, and, um, and uh, just so that, you know, I, I didn't want him to come back to like a stale office, so you're welcome. Uh, and uh, I, look, I look forward to no retaliation and uh, giving you an opportunity to practice turning the other cheek. We'll see how you go. Uh, watch this space. Um, but I don't think you're up to it. I don't, I don't think you're up to turning the other cheek. Show me. Go on. Prove me wrong. Um, but anyway, we probably should get into the word. Um, Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, and uh, we'll read from verse 1 and 2. So Hebrews, uh, author unknown, probably the only uh, book of the, of the New Testament that nobody can say for sure who wrote it. And, um, so that, but there's actually so many gems in Hebrews. Uh, you know, Hebrews 11, which we're about to read a little bit from, talks about the great heroes of faith that have gone before uh, and, and, you know, and, and their, kind of their witness and, and, and what they've done. But Faith has always kind of been one of those things that uh, it's very, very hard to define. What is faith? Uh, well, it, it can mean a multitude of things. And uh, while I'm not necessarily going to answer that definitively uh, tonight, I do want to have a look. Uh, so why are you here, you say? Um, that's a good question. But um, I want to just have a look at this particular passage of Scripture. We're going to go through uh, a, a couple of other passages of Scripture, but I, I want to have a look at uh, this thing. The cross, because uh, I, I figure we're in church, what better way to start than the cross? Um, but I actually want to challenge our theology or challenge uh, what we've just come to think is normal, uh, because the cross, uh, it's a symbol, but I actually think to a certain degree, it's the wrong symbol sometimes. And uh, so I want to have a bit of a, I'll, I'll throw some things out, and don't call me a heretic straight off the bat. Uh, give me an opportunity to explain myself. Uh, but we're going to have a look at that, uh, I guess, with the lens of faith. Uh, but we'll start in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, and it says this. It says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in old days earned a good reputation. Now we're going to flick over to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 to 4, and this is talking of Jesus. It says, Because of the joy awaiting him, being Christ, he endured the cross. Joy doesn't necessarily uh, relate to that particular implement of torture. Uh, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he enjoyed, endured, endured, he didn't enjoy it, from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. How the heck can we associate joy with that? How the heck does the writer of Hebrews say that, that Jesus Christ, uh, when he was carrying that Roman cross, 
was looking forward or, or joyful about that particular experience. The two don't necessarily match up. It doesn't, it doesn't kind of, that's not the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the cross. Well, thank goodness I've got the cross. Uh, now, if you're a Monty Python fan, uh, I'm going to leave that out there. There's a couple of jokes in there, but I'll, I'll leave that uh, because you'll probably call me a heretic even more. Um, but yeah, so Jesus was God, yes, understood. Uh, he was 100% God, so, so maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe that had, uh, you know, uh, factored into the equation. But, you know, to, to, to talk about the joy set before him, to, you know, know uh, that they estimate that, that the journey that Jesus took wasn't just, it wasn't just down the road. When Jesus is carrying that cross, he, they estimate that he, he walked between one and a half and two kilometers with that cross. And, uh, and, and so to think about, uh, not, even before that, even before Jesus is walking with that cross, to, with, with 100% foreknowledge of what's going to happen, the Jesus' response or his reaction in his spirit was joy. And, and for me, that, that totally just knocks me out. It, it completely floors me when I think about that. But before we kind of get into, I, I want to have a look at that. But before we get into that, I'll, I'll, I'll pray. Lord God, we thank you that you did endure the cross. And Lord, we thank you that we're here today because you've done that. And, and Lord, we just pray that as we unpack your scripture, as we unpack your word, Lord, that you would make yourself real to us. Lord, that there would be a, a, an, a real, tangible, intimate connection with our Father. Lord, that there would be a real, tangible uh, connection with your spirit as we move through your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Uh, I've got a joke before we kind of move on. A pastor and his wife went to dinner at one of the parishioners' house, and so uh, they laid out all the nice cutlery, and uh, a pastor and his wife ate the meal, like thanked, thanked the couple for their meal, and then went home. Now, the wife says to her husband, she goes, the pastor flipping stole my spoon. Uh, you know, they're, they're accounting for all the cutlery. It was their best cutlery. They're accounting for the spoon. I saw this today. It's a hilarious joke. And, uh, and, and so they were getting really agitated, like, what? He's a pastor. Like, surely stealing, it, it's not kosher. And uh, anyway, so a year goes past, and, uh, and, and they invite the pastor and his wife back over for dinner. And uh, so the pastor's sitting there, and, and the question is burning so much on the wife's heart that she's like, I'm, I'm sorry, pastor, but I just have to say, um, you stole my spoon a year ago. Why did you steal my spoon? And the pastor responded, uh, I, di- I didn't steal your spoon. I just put it in your Bible. Uh, Ooh, feel free to feel convicted if you like. Um, that one's free. Uh, has nothing to do with what I'm going to say. Have you ever, have you ever been to the movies? And I, I reckon this is a bit of a conspiracy. I think it's a bit of a conspiracy at the cinema because what do you go when you get to the movies? You get popcorn and you get a drink. But uh, you know, in in any movie, and uh, you know, if you seen Avengers, it's kind of very typical of this. In any movie, the kind of the most exciting time, the most kind of the, the, the pinnacle of the movie, the 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 high point of the movie is always towards the end. And and so if if you've you've finished you've got like a liter of drink, when do you need to go to the toilet? The end. It's a conspiracy. Um I myself has, have missed many kind of crucial moments because I have to go to the toilet because I decided 
and, and I don't know how they do it, but there must be like a mystical force in the cinema that when you go, it's just kind of like second nature, like, oh yeah, I'll just get the drink and, and some popcorn. Um, but, and and, and it's, the, it's the way they get you back in because you have to go and see the movie again because you, you, you want to make sure that you see that part. And uh, it's true. And, uh, but with every movie, uh, every good movie, I guess, follows probably fairly similar to the narrative of the Bible in that uh, the first kind of, like the first scenes, there's a build-up, there's a bit of character development, uh, you know, and if, if you look at the first, the first four books of the New Testament or the Gospels, we find that the, the first, uh, you know, one to ten chapters in most cases, there's, it's explaining who Jesus was, it's explaining where he was coming from, it's speaking about the miracles, but uh, towards the end, uh, you know, it's kind of building, it's building, it's building. And I guess the same would happen in, in a movie where the hero of the story, we're getting to know who he is, we're getting to know what he stands for, we're getting to know his history, if he's got a shady past or something like that. But, but in, uh, in, in the Bible, we kind of get to this point and, uh, and, and then like the, the crucial moment happens and then literally it's almost like the Gospels are finished. Uh, you know, if, if you were to read your Bible, you'd find it in every single gospel that, that uh, between the death of Jesus and the end of the book, there's only a very, very minute past. There's only a very, very minute moment. But, but the truth is, in that moment, in those very short chapters, literally hangs the, the, the balance of Christianity. The, 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 uh, the fundamental truth of Christianity literally happens in the space of half a chapter. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we see Jesus gets nailed to the cross and, uh, and then he is, he's risen. And then literally in Matthew, it's the, that's the longest account. We, we see three chapters and the book is done. And, uh, and sometimes I think that, that we can miss the incredible tension that literally lasts seven verses in, in one particular chapter in the, in the Gospel of Mark. It, it, seven verses, literally. And, and that is the entire tenet of faith in terms of Christianity. Uh, Timothy Keller said this, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teachings, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Literally, in that, in, in, in that minute space of, of paper in the Bible, in that minute space, literally hangs the entire tenet of faith. And, uh, and so I'm going to throw this out here, and don't hate me straight up. Don't hate me straight up. Don't call me a heretic straight up. Give me a minute. I, I think that we've somehow or sometimes missed the point I think that, that, that sometimes we look more to the cross than we do the grave. Because the cross happened. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, what, what I'm going to say is a bit controversial, but, but Jesus wasn't the only person to die on a cross. A- and the other thing is, he wasn't necessarily the only person wrongfully accused to die on the cross. And, and if, if we're to get really, really, really technical... Technically, he was accused of something. He was accused of blasphemy. That's why he was nailed to that cross. And if, if, he, if what he said was true, 
then it, it, it needed him to rise from the dead to prove that he said who he was. He, he said who he said he was. Oh my gosh, sound like Mike Brady. Um, but, but he wasn't the only guy to, to die on a cross. He wasn't the only guy on that day to die on a cross. And, uh, and, but he was the only person to rise from the dead. And so the title, the title of my message tonight is called Look Past the Cross. Look past the cross. Because I think we can get so hung up on this, but this was never the, the, the point was never to get hung up on this. It was to get hung up on that. Be, because it wasn't, it, it wasn't the power that nailed Christ to the cross. It was the power that raised Christ from the dead. And, and, and it's that same power that we have access to today through Holy Spirit. But I think sometimes we, we, we get too caught up hanging around the cross. And, and here's a point. Jesus never, ever, ever went back to Calvary. He never took the disciples on a field trip to say, hey, boys, do you remember this? This is where I died. There was never any remembrance of the, the location where he went. Like there, there was scars in his hands. He, he bore the scars of what had happened. But he never again took them back to the place where he was crucified. And I think sometimes we, 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 you know, when we've got our troubles, we can take it to the cross, but it was never meant to just stay at the cross. We were meant to look and see past the cross to the empty tomb. And I believe that so many times the things that we carry that we should lay at the cross, we lay them at the cross, but then we're supposed to walk past it. We're not supposed to stay here just laboring in the things that are causing us grief or causing us concern. We're meant to lay them here and then continue to walk to receive the power that is the empty tomb and the power that's represented in the empty tomb. So I think for, for, for a lot of us, we've, we've kind of looked to the cross for the power. And don't get me wrong, there is power in the blood that was shed but the power that we have access to was the one that raised Christ from the dead. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and the question is, you know, what's on the other side of the cross? And, and if you're too busy caught up on this side of the cross, just, just with, with, with your issues and, and with everything that you're holding on to, you'll never ever step past it and see what on the other side of God's, what's on the other side of God's faithfulness. Because it was the tomb that represented God's faithfulness. It was the tomb that represented Jesus being who he said he was. And, uh, you know, in, in, it's in all of the Gospels, all the Gospels coverage on the resurrection kind of all collides. In John 20, in Luke 24, in Mark 16, and in Matthew 24. And, and here's, here's an observation. There was a crowd at the cross when Jesus was crucified, there was a crowd at the cross. There was heaps of people there. But there was only two people at the grave. And so my question is, where are you looking tonight? Are you looking to the cross? Are you looking to the place of pain, the place of suffering? Or are you looking to the empty tomb? And it was because there was two people at the empty tomb. Two people. That, that had the opportunity to see G, the, the true miracle, the true nature of who God was. And, and then there was another two that kind of joined them later. See, the resurrection was a weird topic for people. Greeks, the, the, the Greek uh, thought or modus operandi didn't actually believe in a physical resurrection. 
Uh, to a Greek, to be resurrected was to have your mind uh, released from your body. That it was a resurrection of the mind. It was a resurrection of the thinking. For the Jews, uh, resurrection only happened at the end of time. That when God had judged the righteous, the righteous would be resurrected. But for the Jews, uh, the resurrection was, it, it wasn't going to be a singular person claiming that he was God. And, uh, and, and so... And, and so that was kind of, that was the scene in which Jesus arrived on. And so that's probably why there was only two people at the, at the tomb that day. Well, actually, to be honest, they were just there to bring spices to embalm the body. They, they weren't there expecting a miracle. They were just there out of happenstance or out of chance. But, um, and, and, and so, the em- because the empty tomb actually represented so much. See, it, it, was because of, it wasn't because of the cross that the disciples went ballistic and started spreading this thing called Christianity. It was because of the empty tomb. It was because Jesus had said this, and, and then they'd, they, they'd heard about the tomb, and, and, and then they'd seen Jesus in the flesh, and it gave this group of Jewish teenagers an incredible boldness. And, uh, you know, it caused a, a bunch of young adults that were in the corner just freaking out, wondering, oh my gosh, are the Romans going to come and kill us? The guy that we were following, he's being crucified. It's all, you know, it's all gone da- downhill. It, it wasn't the cross that released that, it was the tomb. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't want to keep you for a long time tonight, but, but I actually do believe that, that we need to change our thinking. We need to change the way that the way that we approach uh, approach God, the way that we approach the cross. I, I believe that we should approach the cross, but see the empty tomb. I, I believe that that we're called to bring the things that are causing us pain, bring the sufferings that we're bearing, and lay them at the cross. But have the perspective: Hey, Friday is here, but Sunday's coming. You know, this this is this is the real. This is kind of, I guess, this is Christianity 101. It, is, is it was the cross that gave us salvation, but we were never, ever meant to stay here. We were meant to walk in the power and walk in the authority that the empty tomb gave us. And, uh, and, so, and I don't want to diminish anybody's pain here. I don't want to diminish anybody's suffering. But I, I, I do believe that, that this, is the, this is the point of release. This is where we release our, our staff, our burdens, our hurt, our loss, our pain, our grief. And then when we see the tomb and our perspective is that way, it actually releases our spirit. How did Jesus go to the tomb? How did Jesus go to the cross with joy? It's because he didn't see the cross; he saw the tomb. How, how do you go to an instrument of torture with joy? You've got to change your perspective. Don't look at the thing that's coming, but look at the miracle that's going to take place. Look at the release. Look at the faithfulness of God. Sorry, I get. I get caught up when there's a prop on stage, and uh, it's going to be good. And, and, and I believe that God has called us to see the tomb. He's called us to live like there's going to be a resurrection. That we may not know when, we do, may not know how, but because of the, the victory that Jesus won on the cross, we can actually look with boldness towards the tomb. Uh, I think. I think Paul kind of encapsulates it really well in, uh, in an encouragement that he sends to his protege, his, uh, uh, you know, his disciple Timothy. It says this in, T- in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 7 to 13. 
It says, this, think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering, and I have been chained like a criminal. But the word cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory to Christ, in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is, you know. Uh, this the the everybody goes through things. Everybody goes through stuff, and, and and the truth is, we were never ever meant to hold the stuff. I love the scripture. It says that take on my yoke is easy and my burdens light. I believe that that, that transference happens at the cross. But if if we're not careful to move past the cross, then we just end up picking it up again. And, and, and the, the pain was never, ever meant to define you. And, and, and this is my controversial topic. I don't think, we, when we see Jesus, we associate him with the cross. I actually think that's a wrong thinking. I think we're called to see Jesus in relation to the tomb, not the cross. And, and, and you know, and, and because, because that is actually where we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in the knowledge of the empty tomb, not the knowledge of the cross. And uh, what is the cross? You know, it's it's all good to have a prop. It's all good to have a uh, you know something up here to, that looks good. But what is the cross? The, the cross is sin. The cross is hurt. The cross is pain. It's bitterness. It's being let down. It's loss. It's all of those things that Jesus died for. And, and I think that sometimes, and, and I've been around people that are defined by their cross. They're defined by their thing, that thing that's burdening them down. They're defined by that thing that, that they can't seem to shake, the thing that's bringing them pain, that's causing them grief. And I said earlier, I don't want to diminish anybody's pain. I understand that, you know, what, what you go through, but, but it, what, what, um, when it talks about the suffering of Christ, it was only the physical suffering that Jesus endured. He, he was because of because of his knowledge of the tomb, of the empty tomb. He was able to because he was able to endure the physical suffering because his spirit was unharmed. And, and, and you know, you might be here tonight, and you're going through pain. You're going through suffering. You're going through grief. You're going through a period of uncertainty or, 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 or a moment of, uh, of what the heck is coming next or, or where's this going to come from and where's that going to come from. There's nothing wrong with those feelings, but we're never ever meant to camp there. We're never ever meant to camp there. We're, and, and so I think that you know, we need to change the way that we pray. Lord God, I have no idea where this is coming from. I have no idea where this is coming from. I have no idea where this is coming from. That's a statement of fact. It's not a prayer of faith. And uh, and. A prayer of the empty tomb says, Lord, this is happening. You know that it's happening, but I know that the same power that raised Christ from the grave lives and resides in me. Lord, I don't know where my, uh, I don't know which angle it's coming from, but I know where my help comes from. I know that that's the empty tomb and that's the, that's the security. That's what I can go to the bank with. That's how Jesus Christ went to the cross and considered it joy. 
You know, I, I, I think that, that we as Christians, that's how we're called to live. We're called to live uh, not, not burdened down by the pain or the suffering or, or whatever we're going through, but because we're able to actually lift up our eyes and, and see that which is past the cross, to look past the suffering, to look, where, to, to look past the grief and, and see, I don't necessarily know the outcome, but I know that my God is faithful and, he, and, I, and I don't know necessarily the, the, uh, the exact way that it's going to come about, but I I know that all things work together for good, and I know that He is on my side and that He is a good God. And that's how we live with an empty tomb mindset. You know, uh, we're, we're called to approach the cross but then see what's past it. And uh, it's, not like, it's not positive thinking. There's, there's a massive difference between uh, positive thinking and, and, and looking past the cross. Positive thinking is, oh, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ignore that and I'm just going to think happy thoughts. I'm going to go to my happy place. That's not what this is about. This is resting on the knowledge of who God is. There's a complete difference between positive thinking and looking past the cross. See, Jesus wasn't going to the cross going, well, um, I'm just going to think happy thoughts, just going to think happy thoughts, just going to think happy thoughts, and stuff like that. That, that wasn't how he, he rolled. But he, he, he went to the cross with joy because he knew who God was. He knew who the Father was. And he knew that he was faithful to bring about the right outcome. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's the knowledge that that power was going to be at work that let Jesus look to the cross with joy. And, uh, you know, uh, what, what is the empty tomb? What, like, I've explained what the cross is. The cross is sin, hurt, grief, all that. But what's the empty tomb? This is what the empty tomb is. It's hope. It's power. It's release. Is it eternity? Absolutely, but it's not just eternity. You know, uh, you know well, uh, eternity's that way. You know, it, it'll all be good when I'm in heaven. It, it, that's, that, that's, it, it's a part of it, but that's not what it all is. You know, see, when, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he still went around. It, it wasn't like, okay, uh, I, was, I, I was nailed to the cross, now I'm in heaven, it's all cool. No, he, he actually came back and, and, and mingled and, and, and started the thing that we're now a part of, the church. And uh, so is it eternity? Absolutely. Absolutely is there the power that, that we have salvation in eternity, but it's not just waiting until eternity comes. It's actually bringing heaven down to earth. It's actually bringing the power that, that we have because of that tomb, the access that we have because of that empty tomb into our situation. It's, like I said, it's hope, it's power, it's release, it's, it's peace, and it's faith. If I could read that scripture that I read first, and I struggled with this for a long time, what's faith? You know, define faith. It's, somehow, sometimes it, it feels impossible, but it says this in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people of old earned a good reputation. What is faith? Faith is taking the things that we don't need to carry and it's actually seeing the empty tomb. Faith is not just remaining at the cross. It's knowing that there is a power that can raise Christ from the dead and the same power resides in me. It turns fear into peace. It turns rejection into hope. It, return, it, it turns bitterness into joy. It's 
That's what faith is. It's, it's, it's having a mindset that I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to put all my, put all my uh, chips in the suffering basket. I'm not just going to rely on that, but I'm actually going to look to the empty tomb. I'm going to look to see where my help comes from. You know, we live in a time where things can get pretty funky. You know, you just have to turn on the news. You just have to read Facebook to think, oh my gosh, what the heck is, is going on? But, but I believe that we're called to be a church that believes in the empty tomb as well as the cross. That we're a church that, that believes uh, that, that even though things may not, we, we don't have all the answers, but we do know that one day and, and somehow there's going to be a resurrection power event. That's why we believe in miracles. Because it, it, that's, that's the same power that raised Christ from the dead we have access to through Holy Spirit. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, I want to pray for some people. And, uh, you know, maybe you're here tonight and, and, and you're going through something. If the musicians could join me, that'd be great. Maybe you're going through something and, and, and you just can't seem to get, you, you can't seem to lift your head up to see the empty tomb. The, the, you, you know, the, it, it's so, uh, it feels like the walls are closing in around you. It feels like you're being burdened down with this stuff. But, you know, I really want to pray that, that, that God would give you a glimpse of the empty tomb, that, that there would be a release, that there'd be a, a knowledge in your spirit that that is where God is. Is calling you. Just, I'm just going to ask just for privacy. If uh, everybody could bow your head and, and close your eyes, because I believe that, that God has put this word on my heart for a reason, and and I believe that you know there's there's people that and, and, and you've been going through something and you just can't seem to see where the answer is coming from. It feels like God's not watching. It feels like God's not listening. Well, you know, I want to pray that God would just by His Spirit give you a glimpse of that future, of that empty tomb. If that's you tonight, that you're going through something and you just can't seem to... You're saying, God, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how this is going to be. I just, I want to include you in this prayer. If, if you just shoot me up a hand, uh, that would be fantastic. Thank you. I see that hand. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? Yep. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody out. Let me include you in my prayer. Yeah. Lord, you see those hands. But Lord, deeper you see whatever it is that, Lord, they're struggling with, whatever it is that the answer seems hidden. Lord, I pray by your Spirit that there would just be a glimpse of, of that empty tomb. Lord, I pray that you would give them courage, you would give them boldness to lift up their eyes to see the solution beyond the place of pain, to see the solution beyond the point, to see the other side of where you're calling them into. And Lord, I just pray that where there is doubt, Lord, it would be replaced with with faith. Where there is uh, fear, it would be replaced with hope. And Lord, where it is, uh, where, where it's just a, a, a burden, I pray that it would just be replaced with a lightness and an ease in Jesus' name. You know, just with every head bowed and every eye closed. I wanna, I wanna, maybe you're here tonight and you've never actually taken the opportunity to access the free gift of salvation, which is the cross. That's what the cross represents. It represents the gift of salvation. And uh, that's, that's the first point. You can't get to the empty tomb unless you go to the cross. 
unless you acknowledge Christ. And maybe you're here tonight and you've never taken the time or, or taken the moment to acknowledge Christ in your life. Well, I, I want to give you that opportunity. If you're here tonight and, and you've never done that and you want to do that for the first time or maybe you've gone away and you, you've come back, I want to give you that opportunity just with every head bowed and every eye closed. Uh, just shoot me up a hand again and I'll include you in my prayer. I don't want, don't want, you, to have, don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on, on, on all, the, all that the empty tomb has to offer. If not, everybody can look up. I, I just, I think, you know, we're gonna, are we going to do that, the new worship song? What, what's that? Who you say I am? Yeah. You, yeah. I am who you say I am. That's how the lyrics of that song goes. And uh, you know that in itself is a faith statement. That in itself is an empty tomb statement, because it, it, it's it, it's not. I'm not defined by my pain. I'm not defined by what I'm going through. But I'm actually defined by who God says I am. So we're going to sing this song together because I actually believe that there's power in that. See, singing or, or worship was one of the only things. You guys can stand. Uh, singing or worship was one of the only things that we didn't invent. It was actually invented by God. And so when we worship, it actually gives us the opportunity to bypass our, our psychology, to bypass our brain, and to speak directly into our spirit. And so, you know, as we sing this song, it's a spirit of declaration. It's, it's I'm not defined by, by what I'm going through, but I'm actually defined by the, the power that, that, that Christ has released because of the empty tomb. I'm actually defined by the power that raised him from the dead. So, you know, when we're singing this, just I want you to pay close attention and actually think about the declaration that you're making over your life. To, to, to actually look up and say, hang on, this is not my, my circumstance is not defining me, but I'm actually defined by who my Father says I am. I'm actually defined by what Scripture says that I am, that I'm the head and not the tail. And so as we sing, let's just pay close attention and uh, just focus in on God.